You need to embrace capitalism. It is this hope which is the lever of progress. My favorite Fed. To keep one's reactions warm and true. They attack us because we're over there. Is to have found the secret of perpetual youth. Man, you're too pretty to be a libertarian. And perpetual youth is salvation. Well, let us commence the lovely interview. Salutations, Seth Stackers and Ken. You're listening to the Truly Pop Open and another pretty beverage that hopefully I won't be disappointed by the, by the taste. Got to the Truly's though. I know. That's cheers. Start. Oh, cheers. Okay. cheers. <laughs> Boom. Cheers. Welcome to another episode of A Boy Named Sue. My name is, uh, wow, I fucked up my intro already. So, Salutations, Seth Sackers, and Ken, you're listening to A Boy Named Sue. That's Mr. Sue to you, a.k.a. Phil Gibson, only on the Bitcoin Made Simple podcast network. Uh, maybe the GME Made Simple for this edition. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm joined by my illustrious co-host slash host, as far as Twitter spaces goes, um, Ben. I don't know. I don't know your last name. It's just Ben. It's just Ben. It's just Ben. That's, that makes things a bit more confusing in, in the army of Ben's in the Bitcoin There's space. so many bad Bitcoins. There are. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, dude, we're here. We're chilling. Yep. And we're here to talk about you. You are a very, very interesting, interesting specimen. <laughs> uh, just going all in on GME. Yeah, dude. So, but you work in Bitcoin. So Yeah. So Bitcoin is like... It's like the core of what I am, and for the long term. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, so in like 2017 is when I started in crypto and I, I got into the whole altcoining phase for a while, like mm-hmm. about like, I, like everyone else, I was like, Bitcoin is for boomers. It's slow. It's bad for the environment. It's boomer coin. It's boomer coin. Oh, yeah. Give me, give me all these other ones that are like, they have utility, bro. I say arguably boomers are bad for the environment more so than Bitcoin. Yes, that's correct. Very much so. Um, so what I spent so long in that path for like a few years, I made like a crypto blog on this site called Publish OX. Um, so I was like super into that. And I don't know if there's anyone in the space yet, but this is like where I am at odds with the GME folks because... I just don't think that crypto is going to be successful. And I like after several years in it, that's just kind of the the consensus I came to. And it's interesting. By crypto, what do you mean by crypto? Like all the altcoins. Okay. I like I, I I'm a pretty heavy BTC maxi lean. So that is just the con- consensus that I came to from my years in it. And you know talking to guys like you and Luke and everyone on space has actually really helped on that because that was sort of the decider for me, honestly. Yeah. It's like when I got to go and ask those questions to people and Twitter is like an awesome place for discourse and like space has really helped that. So um, yeah, that's where I'm at, dude. Yeah, I think that's pretty much in the last two years, like social media has been the only method of, of education on all this shit and that's how people become 
their own like financial Twitter gurus awesome. and end up having their own newsletter or whatever. But yeah. Twitter is so awesome because like with all of its flaws, it like is an awesome place to just get all the ideas out there. And this is not as bad as I thought it'd be. It's pretty good, right? It's not like it's it's <laughs> it works. It works. We got beers in there too if you want to later. Uh, I'm not a beer guy. <laughs> anyway. But uh yeah, so are you are you smart and do you take self-custody of your bitcoins? Yes. I so speaking of going through the full path of the all the bad decisions early, I was like I had most of mine on BlockFi for a while actually. Ooh. I got that off like I think if you can try to speak into that thing. Is that on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like so it's when when did I I didn't really learn the dangers of BlockFi until like until you got wrecked. No, I never got wrecked. I I mean I made money on it, so I got out before it got bad. But nice. I, I collected a bunch of interest, and I was like, okay, this is sketch. I'm out. Made money, and it was it was like shortly after the SEC cracked down on them, and like basically they had to just cut their rates way down. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is a perfect time to say the reward is not worth the risk, <laughs> and just get out. Just got lucky. So, Nice. I, yeah, like I'll, I'll I'll take my my interest gains. It was like you know six hundred dollars or something of interest that I made. So I'm like, cool. Not six hundred Bitcoin. No, <laughs> <laughs> it was seven hundred. But I didn't get into BlockFi in 2010, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no, because I'm alluding to the story where their support people like screwed up and accidentally sent someone seven hundred Bitcoin instead of seven hundred dollars. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that wasn't you. When did you start? It was not me. When did I? Yeah. Uh, end of 2019. I was already on the libertarian path and I swerved going down the Bcash path because that was like the narrative. It was more libertarian and the Bitcoin core maxis are communists and they won't let a free market money happen where that wasn't the case at all. Like Bitcoin had already won and the market has determined that and it's just a sound of protocol. And I was saved by Guy Swan, the voice of Bitcoin. Bitcoin Guy, Swan's the, Guy Swan's the shit. Mm-hmm. I trust that man with my life and my car because uh, he drove me, his brother, and uh, shout out Katie the Russian uh, back from um, one of the dinners at Big Flop Boom two years ago now. And uh, he was a DD, and that was cool. So good guy. Cool, man. Guy's a good guy. But um, yeah, I, I basically came from like the sound money aspect of all of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm still here for, for the ride and scooping up sats at a, at a you know, opportune buying uh, opportunity. So you started at the, like the end goal already. Like you were in it for the sound money from day one. Yeah. So we had very different starting points. I mean, I was in it because I'm like, oh, this is like, secret money that the government can't tax or take away from me like fuck yeah and plus i had the customer journey like experience moment when i was trying to buy a vpn because i was going to buy a vpn to buy a bunch of like shit coins because i wanted like a basket of like crypto commodities to protect myself from like when the fiat apocalypse happened but that was completely stupid because like reasons obviously Mm -hmm. you you should only have like bitcoin to survive um but i'm like okay well i was told i need to go on binance but i can't access that because i'm in the state so i need a vpn to hide my shit whatever luckily i didn't go through and make a bunch of terrible 
uh, mistakes and buy a bunch of shit coins. Um, but anyway, I went to like NordVPN and it wouldn't accept my credit card or debit card because my credit union thought VPNs were a no-no item. But after being on hold for 20 minutes, after the lady that answered the phone was looking into it, I was just making the mental logical math in my head, like, oh, well, I'm probably being like shunned from buying this thing. And, you know, whether it's like a dark web product, whatever the reason, but essentially 20 minutes later, lady comes back. She's like, yeah, that's probably it. You need to contact your branch. Fuck that. No, this is my money. It should be working. Mm. And I saw that there were crypto payment options, but I was like, well, I'm going to end up buying Bitcoin anyway to like use as the reserve asset to buy all these other shit coins. So yeah, I'm going to buy Bitcoin. I just went on cash app, bought like a hundred, whatever dollars worth for my VPN and then some just for extra. Mm -hmm. And it was just like that, like your money worked Mm -hmm. and it was incredible. And it was just like, oh my God, this is like the best drug I've ever felt. Just that autonomy, that feeling that, oh, I can do this thing, buy whatever I want without asking for permission. And it was just the whole engraving to my mind, like Bitcoin is fuck you money Mm -hmm. for that very reason. And I mean, that was, I I needed to to, to feel that. I didn't have like a Silk Road experience, but that was close enough. Mm -hmm. And of course the whole sound money, Austrian economic thing of what the true mission is, is collapse of fiat money, collapse of central planning and playing God with people's lives by playing with interest rates or distorting whatever incentive that prevents prosperity from happening without the monopoly and violence trying to control everything and preventing a free society. So that's essentially why I'm still here. You, so you, you basically started with a huge head start of like understanding what Bitcoin's about. Yeah. Like I had a totally different, I had much more of like the, the normie start. Number go up. Like, number go up. Like, and that's why I was like, Oh, like I'm going to buy all these other cryptos for like, you know, diversification. <sighs> And because they have very exciting sounding projects and they have very decentralized CEOs, as I like to say, because <laughs> they all think they're decentralized, but they're they all literally yeah. have CEOs. Um, it's, I mean, that's why they made the pivot, pivot from calling it DeFi to CeFi, right? Or, or does CeFi stand for crypto? Isn't CeFi just centralized finance? That's what I thought, but maybe I'm giving them too but, much of a benefit of the doubt and Maybe they flipped the script and said, oh, it's not centralized finance, it's crypto finance. No, I'm pretty sure they call CFI centralized finance. That's, like that's the what old I thought school, too. school and then DeFi is decentralized finance. But. Which is so, like, it's not even a misnomer, it's just a poor marketing thing. I, I, I don't know. Anyway. I mean, it worked on me. <laughs> like, to me, it sounded, like, interesting. Like, the, the, whole, the whole space just has so much marketing in it. Which like for people like me that don't come in with the like the sound money and freedom, you know, already, you know, figured out like you did when you came in. Like for me, I was totally in it for a number go up and like the next step is like, oh, like these look exciting, like these these cryptos will like fix the world and like they then you start eating all the marketing speak. Yeah. And it takes a long time to figure out where the real bullshit is. Like it took literally like four years 
for me to like, you know, I think around 2020, I was like, okay, like, yeah, I definitely need some Bitcoin. And I still had, you know, some other cryptos, but I was like, I understand like Bitcoin enough. So like, you know, the hard cap is going to fuck shit up at some point. <laughs> like things are going to go down once the game theory takes off. And, yeah. and I know Luke is really big on this. He like just fully believing that everything else is just going to just wipe out and like the big money just going to go all into Bitcoin. Yeah. It's the same reason why every currency in the world is going to be eaten by the dollar because mm. that's where liquidity, where money is going to be treated best. <laughs> So what's your take on the, I know Luke has been trying to do the dollar mil, or the Bitcoin milkshake theory thesis. I, I believe that. What What's your take on that? Because I, I, I've been waiting to read it. I haven't heard him really explain the whole theory. Do you have an <laughs> idea of it? I've been waiting to get him on my show to discuss it. I don't know the full ins and outs, but I mean, we agree. I think it's just a matter of like the, the time scale difference. Because people like Hod Magoo say dollar is going to stick around for at least 80 to 100 years. And I think that's more of a realistic approach of where things are going to go. And again, I'm going to have to crack open Luke's brain of why he thinks this could happen in 10 years. 10 years, of really the next two years, I think you're going to see a complete re-engineering of the monetary system, even like on fiat. And it's going to be mm-hmm. built on crypto or whatever but we're seeing this bifurcation of honestly we're seeing the russian ruble becoming the reserve currency of eurasia or the 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 global south you know and you think that the ruble could do that because they have so much energy resources that they just have more yeah they like flop on a table like putin's not like an austrian economist but then again if you follow the definition that safedin says what Austrian economics is, it's basically just economics. And like people making the most rational economic decision, that's going to be in their favor. And in Putin's, uh, in, in Putin's mind, it's whatever is best for Russia, because his stance is strong state, strong economy. Mm-hmm. And they happen to sit on the world's resources. Yeah. And so you're going to make, you trade in rubles and nothing else. Because they've been just tired of being fucked around with sanctions. And there was the attack on the Russian ruble in 2014 where they crashed it. Well, now the entire world needs commodities of all sorts, especially oil. Because oil is like the reserve asset of the world. And everything is not a derivative of it, but uh, the success of prices and price stability kind of is depending on energy. And so... If not rubles, they're probably gonna. There, there were. They also said you can, you know, trade us in rubles or gold. And they're, you're stupid to think that they're not mining Bitcoin because if they yeah. have the marginal cost of energy, like the cheapest place on earth to ever get oil, uh, they're probably mining Bitcoin for free. Which <laughs> and so much, they might even say, hey, pay us in Bitcoin. How much? How many governments or like states in general are? nation states do you think are mining bitcoin completely in silence do you think it's going on all over the place or do you i i'm 50 50 because maybe some of them are so i guess legacy minded to where they don't want to want to touch it but then again we had um coincidentally like the week before uh the davos meeting last month you had bukele 
have like 40 representatives of like 40 different countries come learn about Bitcoin, like what they're doing in El Salvador. I forgot that right before Davos. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like it was a major like global like fuck you to Davos mm-hmm. that Bukele did. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it's conservative to say that 50% of the nations are money Bitcoin. And there's also the Oslo Freedom Forum, which is like, you know, yeah. there's like multiple, it, it seems like there's a bunch of these other gatherings kind of coming up as like a collective fuck you to Davos. Yeah, pretty much. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear to, I haven't, you know, actually, I, I still haven't actually watched any of the, I don't even know if they stream it or whatever, but I haven't watched Probably. it. Probably, there's videos on there. Yeah, it'd be interesting to actually look and see like how they're presented to see like how, how like on the inside was how it's different. Yeah, but yeah, it is cool to see. I mean, there's definitely just like these teams, like what do you, this is one of the things I was curious to ask you because listening to the podcast I did with Tom Luongo, it's like, there's so much covered there. But the question I have is like, what are the teams that you see on this like chessboard? Yeah, so it's basically Team Davos, which is World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, which the World Economic Forum was not called the World Economic Forum, it was called like the European, uh, I don't know. I just interviewed Ansel Linder a couple weeks ago who did an entire episode on his show about this. But essentially this kind of, uh, primer to creating like a new world order global thing was put together by Henry Kissinger and then it became the World Economic Forum like we understand it today. Mm-hmm. But it's basically just old European money, oligarchs that, as I told you earlier, and as Tom says, they want the colonies back. They want the United States back. They don't want American independence. I think your lady's here. To be in is like, to be under Britain again, is that right? Or just like Europe. I yeah. mean, the EU, the Euro, like they they basically want globalism. Mm-hmm. They want you to own nothing to be happy. And they're just central planners that are power hungry. Yep. And it's not even about, like, yeah, it's about money, but it's also just having people talk about these uh, Davos or Atlanticists, whatever you want to call them, the elites, the world elites wanting a golden billion. They want a billion people on the world. Mm-hmm. And they so want, want to they, cut it down to a million. Yeah, I think I think yeah, your ladies here. Let's go. So they and they want the global million, the million at least ruling over them. It makes sense, yeah. Hey, we're busy right now. Oh, sorry. She's not here right now. Did you go for a walk? I would text her, but she's gone. So my neighbors. <laughs> But uh, so do you think that everything is like sort of a mixture of like all the things that we see happening on that like high stage is trying to figure out if or, or trying to find ways to just cut down that population? Uh, so a bit surely. So, you said one, you so said I, one billion. You, want, you think they want it to be one billion? I mean, that's just like, that's not really me addressing your main question. Like, who, who are the teams here? Yeah, let's, let's go you have Team Davos. I explained who that is. Just old European money. Eugenicists want to control population and world resources. And they want to use decentralized technology to achieve their centralized means. Mm-hmm. And central planning always fails. And essentially, they're just like European commies that want to rule over people. And you have that. Then you have Team Fed, which the Federal Reserve, as shitty of a system as it is, it's still, 
ironically a decentralized system because the shareholders at the Fed are the regional like banks and commercial banks, and they all have like their own cartel. Like the Federal Reserve was created to form a banking cartel. And you have DAVAs trying to pass policies, especially during COVID. You have the CARES Act, which basically allowed non-financial players, basically anyone that's not a bank, to have the same access to the Fed window as the banks had. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have people like Vanguard or BlackRock, basically undercutting the banks. Because usually when treasury bonds are issued, 50% are scooped up by the banks and the rest is like private investment or foreign investment. And when you have these larger players come in and undercut the financial uh, power that the banks wield, then you are threatening, if, if, if there's a global cabal mafia, everybody in the mafia is gonna get along until someone steps on their toes and their incentive structure, their golden goose gets slaughtered. And that golden goose no longer allows them to scoop up the golden eggs anymore. And so that's what you have because Davos wants to destroy the, the concept of like nations, nation states, because any nation that tries to be sovereign goes against this whole global homo agenda. Mm-hmm. Global homo means like global <laughs> homogeny, not yeah. homosexual. But, you know, with Davos and their progressive leanings, might as well be homosexual. But, <laughs> but, um, but essentially, you have them trying to get rid of the idea of nation states and sovereign nations and have this global, global homo agenda. And they feel threatened by anyone that goes against that. And, and what they want to do is take back economic control, have that base out of Europe, have a CBDC issue from the IMF and like central banks around the region, have, like you and I would have accounts at the Fed. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that happens. And I don't think like, that scales. And what, what, when you have a CBDC like that, that completely cuts out the power control that the commercial and regional banks have because they make their power. I mean, they maintain their power and have their wealth and have that money transmission mechanism where they're creating money by issuing loans. Mm-hmm. When you have a CBDC top down, that gets rid of them entirely. Mm-hmm. So the CBD, if the Fed did a CBDC, it would just it would crush the banks, right? Yeah. The banks would get crushed by Powell that. does not want that. And people that put Powell in place, whether that's Jamie Dimon or like whoever else, they don't want a CBDC. Now, they might come out and say, yeah, we're doing research and we're looking into this. That's just them playing politics. Yeah. They have to. All the headlines. I'm just, all the headlines are just like, <laughs> you just look at them and figure out what the big it's guys fear are porn. To do. It's yeah. fear porn and it's a distraction. That's all it is. But if the CBDC were, like, do you think it's going to happen? I kind of go back and forth on this because, like, I... It's going to happen in, in Europe. In Europe, you think it'll happen? For yeah, sure. it's going to happen in Canada. And whatever remaining ideal idea of capitalism from America as we know it will be the last thing, like, standing as, like, a bastion of freedom. And again, this is not me humping the leg of the Fed. I, I wrote a song called End the Fed. Like mm. it's it's my it's my pin tweet. <laughs> Central planning always fails. Yeah. But for the short midterm, I would rather end up on the side of the Federal Reserve, basically destroying the euro and what Davos wants. Again, they're the team that wants you to own nothing and be happy. Mm. 
And so that's why Powell is your pal. Yeah, Powell is my pal. <laughs> exactly. And it saying that kind of shit just irks people that vehemently disagree <laughs> because they just haven't stepped back to look at the nuance of mm-hmm. everything that's going on. It's how big it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not really that, it's that big, but just following like Luongo, it comes down to, I mean, breaking up into those two sections, Team Fed and Team Davos. And you can get granular with who those people are, but the end, at the end of the day, they're both central planners. Davos is more commie. And basically, the Fed wants to maintain its control. But even like Gillibut, because even Powell came out and said, we, there's room on this planet to not to, to have more than one reserve currency. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have basically like the ruble and the dollar being with each other, or even like the yen or whatever. I'm under the belief that China is just a paper tiger and they kind of are going to be reliant on Russia to like maintain their strength. But then again, you know, they're, they've both China and Russia have been around for like centuries longer than the U S and just like how they think strategically and everything. i like, they're in this for the long haul and all these neocons that think that Russia is incompetent through this war and everything. I, I think that is just like Western hubris and they don't know what they've gotten themselves into, or it's more that they know what they've gotten themselves into and they're being pushed into a corner and are panicking to where they might even go the nuclear option, literally. So with the Davos and Fed sort of clashing as you're talking about, how does that affect like the Fed rate policies and like what they're actually doing? So the Fed rate policies- Because they want a strong dollar, right? Yeah, so the Fed rate policies is just their, the Fed's reaction to the European Union. Because when they raise rates, it basically makes their dollar denominated debt more expensive. And that's basically how you choke out Davos. Like raising rates is a margin call on the entire European Union. And what this comes down to is a battle of capital flight. Davos wants to embarrass the United States to where people are scared to invest their capital there. So that's why you see embarrassing policies like how we pulled out of Afghanistan. That was a bad look on us. How they have these crazy leftist progressives indoctrinate the youth in, in a higher education through whether it be critical race theory or tranny policies or all this stuff. You think Dallas is doing that? Yeah, that's how you, you you've, it's an economic war behind the scenes, but on the surface, you need to corrode the culture and cause chaos. This is what we were talking about off camera. Mm-hmm. Leftism is complete chaos. On the right, you have order. I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like I, I'm it a took big, me a while to agree with it. I'm a big, I'm a believer that both like the entire left versus right thing is just like a huge distraction. Well, it is on the surface as well, but again, like the root of it is right is order, left is chaos. I agree that party politics to an extent 
like when it comes to voting for president, although I think this is going to change like it, with this coming midterm election and 2024 election, it's going to be more focused domestically in the United States to separate us from the tyranny that Davos wants to put on us. But before that, it was a distraction, red tie versus blue tie going to war. And what the main issue is, is monetary policy and fiat money and corroding the corrosion of incentives and party politics and politicians are just so high time preference wanting to get reelected. But still, I think that even people on both sides are coming to the realization that we are better off having manufacturing come back to the United States, having a strong dollar and not everybody, even on the left, I don't want to speak for the majority of people on the left, but not everybody in both political camps are along for this new world order agenda. And I know that sounds like too optimistic, but I think there's a lot of fear porn and doomsday stuff there's a time. that yeah. people clutch onto because it's so easy to just say, oh, there's a global cabal that hates society, which is true. But again, this goes back to the nuance of Team Fed versus Team Davos and where people's incentives align. And so which path are you going to choose? Are you going to live in the pod and eat the bugs under Davos? Or are you going to actually live in this repricing, rebuilding, not to conflate with build back better, but this rebuilding of America in the slow process to have like sanity and prices and markets and have this forced recession to get rid of all the zombie companies and malinvestment and yes build back better on a new monetary standard that may have bitcoin involved in it this is and that's kind of like it seems like the collapse of all the bullshit is just like a necessary step so yeah. that's why i don't even feel bad like cheering it on at this point because it, well, everyone it's knows it has happen. to happen it has to happen like, it's, a, is, it's a happy medium between the collapsitarians and reality mm -hmm. you know collapsitarian <laughs> yeah because <laughs> like you have like uh anarcho-capitalism and libertarians and some people people that are just so black pilled and we're just fucking have it all burned down mm -hmm. This yeah. strong dollar is a happy medium, <laughs> for lack of better words, but that's, that's kind of where we're at. And I'd rather have that and have this collapse be an opportunity where you see money move to where it's going to be treated best and you have sanity in prices come back mm -hmm. and sanity of investment. And it's just going to be new soil for of rebirthing of America. And that's where Bitcoin comes down to is because there's so many people with different, you know, beliefs and thought process of how deep the hole goes. Like you and me disagree a little bit on that. Like I don't, and you know, you've done more research on it than me. So that's and honestly, sure, I was but. where you were like not too long ago. Like it wasn't until I heard an interview with Tom Luongo in October last year. Yeah. And then no, it went down that rabbit hole and it took me like three, four months like write an article basically summarizing like a series of podcasts he did and then i put more of like a bitcoin-esque focused twist on it yeah. but um my point it's is a journey not everybody can like give a shit or they should if they give so much shit about this fear porn mm -hmm. but not everybody wants to put in the time to actually learn 
the trajectory of where things might go and why we should lean more towards on one side than the other. I, I guess my point is more that like, you know, we can debate all day about whether every single problem it comes up to Davos and the Fed. Like, I'm not quite in that camp, but everyone in Bitcoin can like agree that if we can just fix the money, yeah, like all of the garbage will just melt away. Yeah. That's like the main, that's like one of the main things I've just been pumping like crazy on Twitter. Just like, yeah, like and this is where the crypto comes back into it. It's where like every single one of these crypto coins is saying like, it's going to fix this thing. It's going to fix that thing. It's going to fix this thing. But it's all just, you know, like very tangential things. Yeah. Because we have it all, all this... comes down to the money, like for everything, like yeah. people that are in the NFTs and like a, a lot of the GameStop folks that I, I love and follow, like the NFTs is kind of like their introduction to the crypto world, and it's like, oh, this is yeah. great for artists. Like this gives artists so much power back, and it helps them, and it helps them monetize. But and that, that's like exactly where where I was as well when I was like early on, because everyone wants artists to be more rewarded. Yeah. Like that's where we all want to be. But the, so. the root yeah. of it is that the money is messed up. Yeah. And the, the and I, I, I was just reading the Bitcoin standard, like last week, a passage just about that, about how in like during the Renaissance, like these par parts around history where the best art was made was when the money was the soundest. Yeah. Like it's, there's a very high correlation there. Yeah, because like, when your money works and it provides you savings, you have more time mm -hmm. to invest into the things that you care about and that you're good at. Yeah, much lower time preference because, and that's like a, a big mantra for Bitcoin is like lower the time preference because right now everyone is like on the manically high time preference because they have to like struggle just to survive and pay rent and eat. And uh, the like struggle is real. The in, struggle is real. In like, <laughs> trying to like throw nfts onto that is like a way to like if you're a starving artist like trying to nft everything might be like a temporary like money maker like if, if yeah you know i'd argue that we're past the the early like hype phase where like everyone's making tons of money on that like i'm sure some people are making going. money on it i mean it every crypto is going has gone to zero or is going and this is why i i would love to when we did our last space and had like a lot of the MT folks from the GameStop <laughs> side, this is why I want to have them in because like, I mean, I'm sorry, but like it, they're all brand new. It was like, yeah. <laughs> it is, you know, this is healthy. I mean, you got to uh, touch the stove and get burned and then kind of realize yeah. and people approach it at their own pace. I was literally, it took me freaking four years to figure out that like Bitcoin is the fixer of it all. Yeah. And like it going, you know, having all these, and people will say like, oh, Ethereum, uh, and we can like kind of transition into the Ethereum chat here. But the reason why I, I think that Ethereum is just, you know, totally a waste of time to put any focus on and will also eventually just collapse under its own weight is because it's like trying to do everything at once. Yeah. Like it's trying to completely avoid trade-offs. It's got too many narratives behind it. There is no unification at all in the community and there, there's so many issues like i, I saw a thread because you can express yourself and do whatever you want in magical ethereum crypto land and they they <laughs> package it as if that's like a plus that you can do anything on there and like anything can be done on it but one like the technologically that's extremely inhibiting because uh the block sizes are so big like it's impossible for people to run nodes 
So it gets completely centralized up to Infura and Amazon Web Services. Um, so technologically, that isn't viable. And two, like having unification in the community, and like this is a very community-based thing, like having a strong backbone presence is huge. Bitcoiners are completely focused on sound money. Yeah. Like that's it. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. They're not budging. Yeah. But everyone in Ethereum wants something different. Yeah. And, you know, as much as they say that makes it like a thriving, diverse ecosystem, like that's not going to work. That's, hits the fan. that's what I, that's chaos. Yeah. That is leftist yeah. chaos. And it's also leftist devotion chaos because where does stakeholder capitalism come from? It comes from Klaus Schwab and all the people and theorists that he read. And so it's this paradox of you have the strong community. I mean, not so strong if everybody wants different things. Well, let's say that you have a strong, friendly community and everybody's together and hoorah and, and want to work together to achieve their goals. Great. But when you have when you have stakeholder capitalism behind it that doesn't actually let people achieve that, then it's just set up for failure and they're just pawns. I just I don't see how it's like a left or right thing. Like, I just don't see that anywhere in this. That's something that we are just like on different spots on. Cause like, I, I see an equal amount of people, like, it's just a matter of, I mean, how just, do they are in the crypto space. Just like deconstruct what you think, like, don't think Democrat, Republican. It's just a new way of, of understanding like, what does left mean? And it just means chaos. I don't, I don't, I don't really have like a super deep understanding, like a de definition of each side, but like, I mean, I actually posted a Simpsons meme earlier, but let me pull this up. <laughs> this is exactly, I feel like it, it. I mean, they are like just constructs and like distractions. But, yeah. Uh, I don't right. know. We don't need to talk more about this because I still, we were jumping into Ethereum, but I want to jump into your, um, your whole GME thing. But if anyone wants sure. to learn more about like why right is order and left is chaos, I, I'm open to learning, like reading about it. There's like I need to as well. Yeah. Like this is just ideas I've heard from podcasts of like interviewing the people who, who like founded these ideas. Mm -hmm. But the one guy to check out was Mencius Bullbug, and that's his pseudonym for Curtis Yarvin. And Curtis Yarvin is the guy that created Urbit, like this operating, uh, uh, this OS. It's so late in the day. What the fuck is it? The S operating system. So operating system. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, like the separate operating system that is like in parallel to the internet as we know it. Whatever. The smart developer, but like started in the libertarian camp, and it's kind of funny. The further you go into libertarianism, the more you end up like Hoppe or like more right. And even even Rothbard later in his life ended up in that area too because he was temporarily siding with um like the the paleo conservatives like um oh my gosh names is escaping me um we'll come back to that yeah but i mean uh, there's no doubt my like i used to be like very hard left but yeah in the last couple of years that has completely been like shaken up and i'm just like nowhere now i'm just like i don't agree with any of these crazy people like yeah. i don't agree with what the left is doing, I don't agree with what the right is doing. I just like Pat Buchanan. Pat Buchanan is a guy's name. 
my, but yeah, my, my stance is basically just that it's really the top down, not the left, right. No, it, it definitely is. But yeah. the, but the top is using the left to deteriorate the culture. And I mean, that's where all these social programs are coming from. Yeah. It seems like they're more, they're easier targets because they're, they're soft and they don't, they're not as like. And that is the root of communism, which, yeah. which is leftism. Does, does that, yeah, it usually starts there. I can definitely agree with you on that. It's like they are just much more susceptible to like propaganda and, you know, just being fed yeah. things. And like, that's why the top uses those, those leftist strategies to create the chaos to control people. And once it deteriorates, they have them in their clutches. Mm-hmm. That's why they have the chaos. When mm-hmm. you have this grassroots orderly thing and order, like we talked about, dominance hierarchies aren't going to form like just through natural law and order, like the free market. Like you might have a municipality and you don't have a president or whatever the fuck you want to call it, even like monarchy, monarchism, but essentially in these municipalities, someone's going to be the best at one thing. And then he'll have like administrators below that. And it's just like this natural, like specialization of skills and people will just come to a consensus somewhere into Bitcoin like these are the rules. This is what works. If you don't like it, get out. Mm-hmm. But you have an order there, and arguably, maybe you have a chaos. Air quotes chaos of it only comes out as chaos or like anarchy because you have a variety of different municipalities to choose from that have their own natural organic orders, mm-hmm. and so it's anarchy and like without rulers or like without one dominant ruler over all these municipalities. Because that just doesn't scale. Yeah. And that's why you have to have like leftist, like social welfare kind of things that are supposed to be like a one size fits all solution. And as we see that in the United States with our healthcare and like all these other social programs, social security, like that does not scale. Now, I think these social programs can scale at like a scalable level. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you need to have multiple. And that's why what the biggest problem is that people don't have freedom of choice mm-hmm. because like the only reason why we have the top-down social program like constructs that are so bloated and bureaucratic is because of the construct of democracy and democracy has um as uh, one of these like posts like paleo anarchy conservative like dudes um andrew from popular liberty he I think he coined that democracy itself has a low time preference for power because under a democracy, people might request more services and you have to make a whole new, like administrate, not administration, uh, more, uh, uh, not branches, just more um, facilities, industries, um, uh, uh, institutions, and that creates more bureaucracy. And you just have like these pockets and institutions of, things that take care of these certain sectors of government and that happens over time and it just kind of corrodes and corrupts the bureaucracy and and the power that's there. And essentially all that corruption doesn't scale for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I think that's just a, a, a consequence of what a democracy yields. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, a lot of weird shit going on. I, I know, do you know Alex Fetsky? Do you follow him yeah. at all? He, he wrote an interesting article about like, democracy sucks, we need meritocracy. Yeah. 
and like that's like the hopian that's the hopian safedean like mm-hmm. quote unquote like monarchy order but that's the same thing like having small municipalities and natural hierarchy natural law and order and like free market choice of freedom association he was good at what job and we're gonna live under this mm-hmm. and just like i mean the, the whole i didn't really even understand what meritocracy was before reading that of just like you just have to and maybe i like correct me if i'm wrong it's been a while but it's essentially like you need to earn your position. You can't just, you don't get voted on. Yeah. It's literally based on who does what thing the best, yeah. like by a very tangible, measurable level. Yeah. That's and what better way to measure that than with Bitcoin? Yeah. Because you also can't just like buy your way in. Yeah. Now, I don't fully agree with that because you're always going to have corruption, right? Mm-hmm. You're always going to like buy someone off and you're always going to have lobbyists or whatever. But um, I just feel like under a sound money standard, under something like Bitcoin, you have just shit in order (laughs) so what do you think pivoting just slightly but still sticking on that i'm curious like how do you think that the when if we can assume that bitcoin will be what the free market goes to like i want to have a little bit of gold as a hedge but i don't think it's going to win i feel like bitcoin is going to win a bit win a battle um i like how do you think that that affects like you're definitely gonna want gold. I don't have gold, yeah. but I want that's gold. what the world knows. Like the world reserve asset is energy, oil, and gold has just been a staple because it's been the best money for centuries. Yeah, it and feels Bitcoin like and head, like Bitcoin and gold benefit from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, to me, it's just like a question of like, you know. I know a lot of people get into Bitcoin through the gold route too. That's yeah. kind of one of the things that pushed me more toward Bitcoin was, yeah. uh, have you heard of Mike Maloney? Is that yeah. About? Yeah. 10th um, Amendment Center. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, think so. Yeah. 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 But he is a total gold bug. Um, his YouTube series uh, called the hidden secrets of money uh, basically just gives a complete case on why fiat is garbage and why it's always going to be garbage and gold fixes everything basically. But as I was watching that, I, I was thinking about Bitcoin the whole time and I was like, wow, it like literally checks all these boxes he's talking about. I think he's missing Bitcoin. And he, what a, what a, oh, that's funny. Keep, keep talking. Keep <laughs> but he basically, yeah, he talked about why he thinks gold is a solution, which I don't think it is. Oh, is it the phone? <laughs> we like the thing about the gold bugs is that we all agree, the Bitcoiners and the gold bugs completely agree on the problem we just disagree on the solution so i think that's a totally stable ground we could stand on together like there's a ton of stuff i agree on with the gold folks and including michael i love that guy he taught me everything about like sound money to be he he was like the first one that got me uh and and that was like you know during 2020 when i was telling that's really like kind of when i was like just getting pushed over the edge of like crypto to like okay like bitcoin is really the one here because sound money is something the world really needs. Yeah, people are going to figure that out that they need this. It's not a little. It's not like a knickknack, a knickknack know, token thing. It's like literally the money that will fix the world. It's the money, stupid. It's the money, stupid. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, I, I also want. I want to get just a big old bar of gold. I just want to hold one in my hands. Yeah. So what is that like fifty grand or something? <laughs> Expensive. <laughs> but it's powerful. Yeah. And so, it's kind of a question of like, will the boomer, because most of the boomers would, 
agree that gold is a sound money and most of the millennial, well, in general, like the millennials would be more on the Bitcoin side. So it's like, which of those sides pick will win? I think it's just more of a matter of looking at reality in the world that we're in and how you deal with it. Yeah. I, I haven't looked too into like the value proposition, like of, like, I understand the value proposition of gold, but I also understand the value proposition of Bitcoin, mainly like, you know, the medium of exchange aspect. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I love saying that gold is a shit coin and real estate is a shit coin and all these other, you know, sound investment staples are shit coins because Bitcoin's the only thing that wins, but that's not the world that we live in. And um, sure, ultimately Bitcoin should replace gold as it is, but I mean, central banks have been stockpiling gold in the past couple of years for a reason. Mm. I think there's, there's still a demand in it. And yeah. when that, until that demand is gone, like we're still going to live under a quasi gold standard. I, yeah, I view real estate and gold really differently. I feel like gold has enough monetary traits going for it that will give it a yeah. pretty strong value. I mean, until like Bitcoin takes over everything and then yeah. it's like, why would we use anymore? But until then, I would be much happier holding gold in real estate because to me, real estate is just like a mega bubble. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, real estate in what it is in itself, like having your own land and home and everything, that's valuable because you need it to survive. And it's a expression mm-hmm. of your self-sovereignty. And as Tom Longo says, being ungovernable because you have your own land and everything. So it's great for that. But this goes back to, you know, the forced recession that Powell is trying to do and like build back better the responsible way and repricing of assets and real estate. The repricing is, a, is it. That's it. That's yeah, everything is so overvalued. And real estate being one of them. There's like there's definitely going to be because of corrupt monetary policy. Yeah, it'll have a floor of demand always because people need a place to live. But you know the supply is ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's just had so much liquidity just pumped into it by all these people that are just trying to escape inflation, which is jack the prices to the moon. And I think that you're going to see a downturn in the price of real estate because. I was listening to this interview that um, uh, Daniel DiMartino Booth gave at this gold conference and the supply of new houses has not hit the market yet. The supply of what? New houses? Yeah. So commercial and um, uh, residential real estate is going to take a hit soon. I've been seeing some some tweets out there, like some some lines doing some weird things on some graphs. <laughs> of the, make it look like we're getting mighty close to a big thing happening in real estate. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's also like in everything. Too, yeah, but exactly. Real estate definitely needs to happen. But that's, there are a lot of eyes on real estate though, because that's like a big deal. Like yeah. if that starts taking, that's going to change lives in a big way. People are going to be paying attention. You can't, it's not like, you know, like bonds or something that like not a lot of people on the street understand. But when they see rent prices going down, they're mm-hmm. going to be interested in it. Yeah. And that's kind of, a, that's another question for me. Maybe you can kind of fill in some blanks for me here, but. We got to get to your Jimmy and Ethereum shit eventually. <laughs> it's too interesting. Real quick. I'll just make it a super quick one. So one of the things I'm always thinking about is we've got real estate, which I strongly believe is going to just dump eventually. And which a lot of millennials and new home buyers are like hoping and praying for because they want to get a cheap house. Yeah. 
but at the same time we got blackrock like watching from over the hedge like they want to eat up all these new properties i feel like blackrock and you know other you know giant money managers are going to be trying to scoop those up so how do you think that's going to do you think it'll just be literally like a a battle between these big hedge funds trying to just like how it's a battle between the fed and davos yeah it's, there's battles everywhere so this well, is that's one what, that i'm interested that, in. that that's that's like a microcosm of what's happening i think well maybe macrocosm because it's black rock mm -hmm. but again that doesn't like at the end of the day the market is like the essence of truth even though that that doesn't negate how real estate is overpriced if you're still going to have more prices, I mean, more homes come to market, that's going to dump the price. And BlackRock and all these people trying to buy up homes are going to be left with the bag. Mm -hmm. Right? And um, yeah, essentially in that and with interest rates going up and they're going to keep going up, like there's no signs of it stopping. I am predicting a announcement of a hundred basis point raise at the next of FOMC. So? Yeah. I've liked that. Give me yeah. chaos, dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Give like, me, like, I'm just praying for just total, just like rip the bandaid off. Yeah. Yeah. Until savings rate is at 8%, you're not going to see easing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, these people be damned because who, who's the old boss? that has all the monetary tools and powers the fed mm -hmm. hello dude it's so interesting it's crazy to watch it all happen um should we pivot here to one of our other topics <laughs> yeah. um yeah I'm, I'm gonna take a list but do it but tell 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 the people about your gme story perfect dude yeah i mean so i just think that so starting in January, 2021, and everyone watching, the bathroom's right here, so I'll continue talking to Phil while he's pissing. Um, <laughs> GameStop is a very interesting beast. It's, so everyone heard about it in 2021. It was this huge story. It got shorted to shit. It's like 140% reported, I believe. And, you know, later on, lawsuits came out showing that it was 226% short, um, according to, like, lawsuit documents. And the, even those numbers are likely fudged because it's all just reported numbers. And there's so many ways that these, like, legacy institutions can just hide, it, hide the truth everywhere. Uh, and so when it had its run-up in January. That's what people call the sneeze because these numbers that were retracted to 140%, 226%, whatever, those were all uh, measured at the very end of January, like even beginning of February. I believe it was, I put this on my blog post. I think it was like early, mid-February uh, when th that 226% number was pulled. Um, but basically the numbers are just so high. It's like, it's, it's you know, it's, fairy dust it's fugazi because it's so high compared to like what other giant short interests are like when when tesla in what was it 2018 29 maybe 20 2018 2019 i think tesla was like 20 percent short and when that squeezed it was enormous it was like a, a massive move upward over like years 
And that's when 20% was considered like a large short interest. So the fact that that was 20%, now we're talking about 10 times that much. And it's like become a global phenomenon of these hundreds of thousands of millions of people seeing this and seeing this as an opportunity to basically get like a free win against the big dogs mathematically. You know, oh, sure. Thank you, bro. I just realized I'm man spreading on camera. It's great. Perfect. <laughs> Looks great, dude. I think but, so. But yeah, I mean, the, like mathematically, everything is completely stupid. Like it was hundreds of percent short in January or January slash February, like after the big move up. So the short interest is insane. The 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 apes. What do you been, mean by short interest? Sorry if I need to make you like explain everything that I missed. No, it's gone. Just but. like the percent, like I, I would want to pull up the definition to make sure I don't get like words wrong, but just like the the amount of do you do you understand how shorting works? You basically bet on the price going down. Yeah. So the hedge funds, they're betting on it going down. So they they sell the thing, they borrow the stock, they sell it first, and they buy it back later. She might be back. Um, so the, the plan is they want the price to go down so they can buy it at a smaller price. Mm -hmm. And the way the connections they have, like the market makers like Citadel, they have the ability to just print synthetic shares out of their asshole. So they just like continue selling these onto the market first. They route all the buy orders on the dark pool, which is like a place where the dark pool, the dark pool is what it's called. Is that Leah? Hi, Hello. Welcome over. Hi. Hey, how are you? Oh, visitors. <laughs> I'm going back to the pool, so I'm uh, trying not to drip through here. You're on TV. I'm Phil. You're on TV. Look at you guys. Yes, this we're doing is it. Killer, we're right? doing it. <laughs> this is the way to do it. What are you watching? Exactly. No, we're talking. We're we doing are, the podcast, we are on the TV. Yeah. It's like a totally chill podcast. Well, hello, right? podcasters. <laughs> what are we podcasting about? Everything. Everything in life. All right. And what more. shall we talk about? Uh, we're talking about why he's a GME. Uh, talking about GameStop. Boy. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about everything. Got it. All the this things. Great. Yeah. Give them your spiel. I will. You'll, you'll convert the masses. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the the disagreement that people like Luke have with me, Luke Mikic, um and probably you as well, like pretty much all the Bitcoiners, to be honest, was the Bitcoin crew believes that like they won't let the squeeze happen. Like someone's going to step in. They won't let all these people get rich. And I and I put a, a long portion of this on my blog post. I just believe there's so many like we love to talk about incentives in Bitcoin. There are a lot of incentives there for them to just let it play out. Because a lot of the big players here will benefit enormously from this. Like the talk, like just one example is the capital gains tax. Mm. Like if they were to let this thing go and let the books balance, like keep in mind that the, you know, these, you're saying the IRS wins if they do the short Probably. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, Duh. just anyone that benefits from high, you know, high amount of taxes um, because like if the squeeze occurs and the price goes to the moon and 
when the people holding a stock sell, it's going to be like enormous capital gains taxes. And they would love that. That helps them. That's free money for them. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're a position of benefit from that. And there, there's plenty of other, you know, parties involved. You have to look at all of them. But to me, like, I mean, to, to me, the only downside, like risk is like, and this is when I compare Bitcoin and GameStop, like from a risk analysis, I do think that Bitcoin is the safest thing out there because you don't have these third parties you need to even worry about. Mm -hmm. Like it's yours. You pull up the cold storage and it's gone. Like they can't do anything with it. By the way, uh, plug the BitBox O2 by Shift Crypto. <laughs> Use the promo code Bitcoin Made Simple, all caps, no spaces. Probably not, but that's just a fun thing to say. Get 5% off at checkout. And I probably should have plugged that at the beginning of the show. <laughs> now I'm going to have to edit and put it like stuff in the still. Or we can make this the beginning of the podcast and just like go that much longer. <laughs> there we go, dude. This is your friendly reminder to rate, subscribe, review. They say the best things, they come in threes. Like rate, subscribe, review. If you rate it five stars, we can raise the bar. Subscribe so you can stay in tune. Don't forget at the very end to leave a nice review. Something like I love you, Sue. Rate, subscribe, review, please. Thank you. Not your keys, not your coin. If you're in Bitcoin and you haven't heard this, you're hearing it now. The value proposition of Bitcoin is that you are your own bank. You take complete self-custody of this thing and you don't need to trust anyone but yourself. As Uncle Ben says, with great power comes great responsibility. And I'm pretty sure that all you Bitcoiner dudes and ladies out there can put on your grown-up pants and take self-custody. Honestly, one of the best options is the Bitbox O2 by Shift Crypto. Because it's just sleek and voluptuous and lovely. And it's user-friendly. And that's what we want out of Bitcoin. We want to be able to store Bitcoin, access it, use it in a way that a toddler can. And that's pretty much what you're getting from the Bitbox O2. You've got your cold storage on a hardware device. And you can sleep soundly at night knowing that you're your own bank and no one else can come and steal your Bitcoin. And that's all possible with Ship Crypto's Bitbox O2. So if you want to put on your big boy and big girl pants and be a good Bitcoiner and actually own your money, as opposed to putting it on an exchange or a bank, let's just call them for what they are, a bank, where they're rehypothecating that Bitcoin. And again, this isn't your Bitcoin. If you put it on there, it's theirs. And so it's not your money they're losing, it's their money they're losing because they're trying to use that Bitcoin to make more money, take the spread, the VIG, if you will. And pff, honestly, they go tits up because they're bad actors and they don't care about you and your wealth because when your Bitcoin's with them, it's no longer yours. So if you want to bypass all of that, go to shiftcrypto.ch and snag yourself a Bitbox O2. Use the promo code Bitcoin made simple, all caps, no spaces for 5% off a Bitbox O2 from 
shiftcrypto.ch because self-custody is self-sovereignty. Get that Bitcoin in the right hands. Your hands. Yeah, I'll just try to show it like four more times. Yeah, we'll just, we'll stop. I'm start supposed to do the four, beginning, middle, end. We'll so. do four at the very end, all back to back. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to me, Bitcoin is safest because you don't have any risk of wondering what any big dog is going to do. It doesn't matter. Like they're just going to all make noise and things are going to shuffle around. And, you know, the price will be volatile, but at the end of the day, that's your asset. It's in your custody. And with GameStop, there is a little bit more risk there because no one knows how it's going to go down. I believe that there's, and like most people believe that are deep in this, aren't too worried about it because there's enough factors to where, you know, the incentives are, are good. Um, but it is a risk. We don't mm-hmm. know. Like, I mean, this is, there, there's tons of things shifting right now. So things can happen, but the, the risk reward to me, like the upside of GameStop is like bonkers because you have like the factors involved here, the literally freaking the people on Reddit own like at least 10 X of the float of shares. So mathematically, it's just insane. Like they're gonna hold on to this thing. If you people don't account for how crazy Reddit is and how crazy these people are, like they're literally not gonna sell ever. So how much Reddit are just feds? I have no idea. You know, this is and this is another thing that what, know, what, kinda, if, what if the feds are just there holding holding the line and preventing it from happening? What do you mean? The feds holding the line the like, feds are what if the majority of redditors are feds they're not i mean this so this is twitter and reddit are such different beasts like i've been on reddit for many years so you it's a totally different language totally different type of people there and the thing about reddit is that every user is anonymous so like you have a very good idea that people are much more real on there and you, are can, you, you sure? can make an argument not, that everyone on there is a fed like Russian spy, but like when you spend like how much time have you spent on Reddit? Uh, not much, but they're not yeah. completely anonymous though. It's not like 4chan because I know 4chan for sure is anonymous, right? I mean, it's just it's anonymous. It's uh-huh. I mean, some people use their names on there, but like it's it's just a different different crowd. Like it's it's much more of like a you know autism fueled like hive mind. I feel like I don't connect with people on Twitter very well because maybe I'm more of a Redditor and I don't know. Uh, you'd, you'd do great on Reddit. <laughs> you'd thrive on Reddit because like that's where the weirdos go to play. I feel like that's why I love it. Maybe it's just I have a, like a Twitter bias and I've met most of my friends on Twitter because mm-hmm. it's easier because like, it's pseudonymous, but you can still meet up and well, I don't know. You uh, a choice, but I feel just, like the hype around Reddit died down. But again, we'll I, I I was never a redditor. I mean, I'm just, I mean, is the community like as thriving as Twitter? It's Are totally there numbers different. out there? To, you know, I'm sure that the numbers would be interesting. I, I think they they both got to be in the top 15 websites in the world. So I'm not sure what the user count is, but I mean, the you the total population of Reddit as a whole is kind of irrelevant because it's made up of these communities on there. You know how that works? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Reddits. So like. Like I was the, part the of game, it. The GameStop subreddit, the main one that was Superstock, R slash Superstock. Yeah, yeah. It has like eight hundred thousand people. Yeah. Um, and those are, you know, sure we can, you know, debate how many of those are like not real people because anyone can make an account. 
So you have to account for some of that. But on the flip side, like I, th I think only 10% of people that use Reddit have an account. So way more people visit and read that site and like yeah. learn from it than it have accounts. Active. So I think there's actually a lot more of a lopsided people to the people that are active in the community or at least view it constantly don't have an account. So that number is a little bit of a wild card, but um, the, the gist of that rant is like the, the people of Reddit, I mean, there's a reason why Reddit was started the whole GameStop story in January 21 is because they are so efficient. It's such an efficient platform for, you know, getting the truth out of the noise and like the upvoting system, the awarding system works really well. It's not perfect. There's, there, you know, there's questionable things here and there. Like there's questions all over the place of like, oh, could this have been planted? Could this be fake? Yeah. But, you know, nothing's perfect. Just accept that. Like to me, it's like a platform that's ultra efficient at like just getting shit done and like getting down to the truth of the matter and building conviction on a massive scale. And all of these people who are like the like freaking veterans of GameStop at this point have been it for a year and a half being called crazy absolutely everywhere. Like me, you know, going into Bitcoin spaces and any people just give me all kinds of shit for being a GameStop and just, I love it. Like it's, th these are the part of these people's personality is that they thrive in being weird and outsiders and not believed by anybody. And now we basically just gotta wait and see what happens because the, the plan is very simple. They just like the stock, baby. They buy the stock, they hold the stock. They're direct registering the stock in their names, which is, you know, helping take away some of that risk. Um, and it's just a matter of time until we get answers. I, I would be comfortable saying that this year, I don't know when it could be. Yeah, the, the meme, when, when moon, Ben? The meme is Moas is always next week. It's always tomorrow. Moas stands for Mother of All Short Squeezes. Um, no, it means Moas. Moas. But it's, <laughs> it's uh, like, it's always next week, dude. It's, it's, it's literally on Monday. It's 100% on Monday. Okay, yeah. I don't understand why that happens. Because when, when, hold, on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on. When the Fed keeps raising rates and makes cheap money unaccessible, I mean, sure, people with money won't be as affected by this. But again, like redditors aren't fucking like rich, or maybe they are. They're just silent. But like they're plebs, right? Yeah, they're, plebs. they're just like the Bitcoin plebs. We got the red plebs, the Bitcoin plebs. Okay. But there are some freaking whales out there. Like just it's, it's similar to Bitcoin, where there's like right, people right, of all sure, levels. Yeah. Like literally last week, some guy who I've been you know friends with on Twitter for you know years or over a year at this point just posts a you know screenshot of his brokerage account. He's got like six million dollars in GME. <laughs> like you see that quite regularly. People like these large whales have been in since the beginning. They've been reading the due diligence. And they're convicted as fuck. And when this convict, like the short hedge funds and all of the cabal people involved just continue kicking this can because they have, they're playing and we're playing in their court for sure. Okay. Like that's, that's, you know, that's the tried fight game. It's like, you're playing in their court. The, the rules are definitely bent in a way to make things easy for them. Okay. So, so someone who like has never traded. Mm -hmm. What needs to happen for this to happen? 
So, I mean, there's lots of different, tons of different catalysts that could. Okay, take it so off. Oh, let, let's start with this. Okay, yeah. people that own GameStop, the Redditors, they're long GameStop. Okay, the people on, on the other end that are short, that's how they, like a lot of large institutions are shorting this thing to maintain or to guarantee that it doesn't move. Yeah. Well, no. So they're, I mean, they can only kick the can at this point. Like the, the Redditors are holding all the power in their hands because they're holding the stock. And what the, the short side is doing is they just continue printing more shares to like flood the, the open market with sales to keep the price down. Wait, who keeps printing more shares? Because whoever is like CEO of GME is the one that prints the shares, right? No, it's like the market makers, like Citadel. Um, Citadel is, they're like the ones that basically, they're the puppet master of the whole market. Essentially, so they and so the, that's so the thing about make, Citadel is they're make, a market maker and a hedge fund at the same time. They work the, like this this conflicts of interest everywhere. Yeah, they can essentially. So they're short on this thing in the hedge fund and on the market maker side, they can just you know pull all the strings to make it so they can continue pushing the can out. But at some point, the chickens will come home to roost. There's going like what when, is that point? What has to happen? So what incentivizes them to do the opposite of what they're doing? No, no, they're gonna they're gonna keep doing that until they die. They're gonna do that until their last breath. But essentially, so the how run, is the GameStop doing on Monday? Because on this precisely on Monday, because <laughs> at some point, like you, I'll send you. So go to my blog post. I, I literally laid out everything there. It's kind of difficult to like come up with everything on the spot, but in general, the the easy answer to that is. There's, there's like a critical margin line where the, the collateral that they have is going to go to shit from the market. This is the theory, like the market dumping, like th these, these institutions that are short on GameStop have a lot of longs as well. They're getting crushed by the recession. And okay, when, when okay. we get a, a serious drop in the, like the broad market prices, their collateral goes poof. They're going to get rug pulled by the prime brokers above them because it's like a hierarchy. You've got the uh, yeah. hedge funds, the prime brokers, the Fed, and yeah. the people above them do not want to foot this bill of a bunch of crazy people on the internet. Jerome Powell sure as fuck doesn't. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. <laughs> I might get yeah. one GameStop now. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's it's a huge crazy story. I will I definitely recommend you read up some of these like actual smart people talking about it. Like smart I'm just like reading and just like having my mind blown and just sharing this stuff around and just it's it's crazy it's crazy stuff like all the math checks out everything makes sense and i have the documents i have the documents dude and like it just sure seems like there's no way out for them and it's the moas is inevitable dude moas Mo yeah but to, yeah, to me it's like very extremely smart risk reward Wait, play. so basically and that doesn't even take into account like the actual company is like dude solid like I have certain disagreements with like pieces of it, like the crypto side, which everyone who follows me knows that I'm like the only freaking person in the whole community that thinks that putting a bunch of investment into Ethereum is a dumb idea. But Ethereum is going to stick around. Like Davos is going to make Ethereum Davos coin, or or Ripple or something. But like, yeah. like Ethereum is not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like they'll just keep twisting. It's too the powerful. The thing. Yeah, and it's, totally it's, it's got Lindy for what it's worth, and it's they're just gonna keep twisting the narrative to keep it relevant. Yeah. Um. 
but I think like the Bitcoin maxis just are Bitcoin maxis and they don't want anything else to succeed because that means Bitcoin's not going to succeed, mm-hmm. which is a very pussy ass bearish point of view as a Bitcoiner. If you think something like GME is going to threaten for the long term, maybe I'm putting words into their mouth, but it's, it, uh, it's, it's aggravating. Yeah, I mean, they're two, like the GameStop and the Bitcoin thing, they're to- two totally different arenas. Like, to me, the Bitcoin is like more so the phoenix that will rise from the ashes of whatever shit shows coming. Yeah. And we all know that there's just dumping in the future of everything because the deleveraging of everything and the unraveling of this absolute monstrosity that's out there is going to fuck everything up. And I think that Bitcoin is going to dump with it. Yeah. Which is why, like, I am, I have a very rare point of view in Bitcoin. Is that going to dump as much? Like, yeah. I mean, who knows, though? Like, I, I'm definitely short term bearish on Bitcoin, which is why oh, I'm not be. buying it. No, this is why you should be buying you know it. No, Bitcoin spaces. This is why you pretty... should be buying it. <laughs> but are you, are you, you waiting? Are you waiting for 10K to buy more? Like, I don't know. I'm waiting. Like, I just, I, I take oh, every dude. week at a time, dude. Like, I'm not, there isn't a specific number. That should mean you should be DCAing every week. I disagree. Because, like, if when you look at the things, the way things are set up right now, I think that GameStop is just a better risk reward for the short term. Um, short, <laughs> I mean, short to medium, to, like, I just think that the MOAS is staring at the face. Motherball short squeeze is right there. So, why would you not be all in on that? And, you know, we'll cross the next bridge when we get there. Like, I think that. You know, I, I totally understand why the Bitcoiners think I'm insane for not, you know, being I mean, Bitcoin not... right now more than any other time. Because, like, it's clear that all the pieces are falling together for Bitcoin. It does make sense. But I I don't have, like, cut and dry plans. Like, on a, this month I'm doing this, short term doing this. Like, I'm just sort of taking it as it comes. And we'll see if that totally blows up in my face. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Like, for what it's worth, I tell my, my parents... Mostly, you know, I, I try to talk them in again a little slice of GameStop, but people like my parents who don't follow this stuff at all, I just tell them to DC a Bitcoin because, you know, it's easier. It's more simple. And I'm more like, I'm 100% sure that'll be, well, I don't know, 100, 99.9% sure that's going to be the best long term play. Yeah. Because it's going to be able to survive everything because it's, it's the safe, it's the safety belt and the madness, which I totally agree with. I'm taking risks. There's no doubt about that. Like, I, I'm definitely, you know, moving my risks around a little yeah. bit. Um, Which is completely fine. It's like, like, you're not an airhead that yeah. are just, <laughs> that you're just, like, you're educated. Like, you do, you're, you do your homework. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. And you understand the risks that you are taking. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel good. And, you know, I'm also in a position where, like, you know, I, I'm financially stable enough to where everything I have freaking goes to zero. I'll be okay. <laughs> Maybe not zero, <laughs> but yeah. like, you know, you got to plan out. Like I'm definitely a planner. I'm not yeah. a, I'm not a throw myself into, you know, complete wild Westland, but Total. that's, that's how I'm feeling about it. But yeah, don't do, do. Can buy some GameStop? Do it, dude. <laughs> Can I just like use you as proxy? <laughs> just, I'll just buy a share for you. <laughs> I'll just like cash app you like this much this week. Thank you. Yeah, dude. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I do have, so I definitely have a few shares on Cash App because, like, it's easy to get Bitcoin on there. Yeah. 
So I, I, I think we're like three or something. Because Cash App is like a garbage uh, for for the payment for order flow broker that is like at the highest risk of, you know, turning on the buy button or just pulling fuckery of some kind. Because mm-hmm. it's, you know, there, there's like a slew of those. It's basically in the same tier as Robinhood for me, which is garbage. Yeah. But so. Except you can withdraw your Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. So since Bitcoin is going to catch up, that's like going to be the first place when GameStop is $15 million. I'll sell a couple in there and put all the Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. That's the pitch. That's the pitch. It's pitch, dude. Go buy GameStop from a Bitcoin podcast. GameStop to the moon. <laughs> Jump the chasm. Bitcoin to the moon after, like, literally, I think that's going to be, like, the, the millionaire play is, like, Just right? kidding. Do what whatever you want, but you definitely be buying Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I will I will never trash people for buying Bitcoin. I only disagree on, like, the risk-reward uh, basis right now. Yeah. that That is, like, the only thing to buy. I think that, and this is, I think that there's going to be a fireworks show in TradFi on the way out. And having a piece of that fireworks show, there's going to be like pressure cookers and like, you know, maybe some of these other shortage stocks will do well too. I think the GameStop is like by far the, the most solid, has the best community behind it, which is important in this situation because you, you know, in a supply and demand situation, you want people holding that supply with diamond hands. That's a whole meme. Diamond hands are not a joke. These people aren't going anywhere. So I think that when these fireworks go off, margin calls start dropping like hotcakes. You're going to see companies like GameStop and these stocks. There's going to be a whole lot of market just fucking dumping. And there's going to be a few of these overly shorted shit shows that just go straight up. I think it's going to be like a lot of this. And if you can catch one of those, like which, you know, the GameStop folks think they found the king of them all. Then if you take that up, then whatever you do after that's up to you. Like there's so, there's so so many floats that are owned right now that of course there's going to be people that sell when it goes up, but there's a ton of slack there because, you know, even with the direct registration numbers, the, the flow is just getting locked up. Like the exit door is like minuscule at this point. There's going to be some room for like people to sell and still going. Yeah. Like the, the infinity pool is another meme, which is like, as long as hundred percent of the float is held by people, and they never sell that. They can never close the shorts. Just going to be an infinite loop. What the fuck is that going to look like? Nobody knows. But it's exciting, and I'm like feeling good about being a part of it. What's the current price of GME? As irrelevant as a Bitcoin price to me, I think it's like one forty or one thirty or something. What do you? I think don't even look at the price. What do you think the floor is? I'm not gonna. I can't put a number on it. But you can go to gmefloor.com. A fantastic website <laughs> that I'm probably like when shit starts going down, I'm just gonna turn my whole Twitter into just like a blank black backdrop and just have jimmyfloor.com in my bio and just go to Cabo. <laughs> nice. But uh yeah. <laughs> so basically does that make sense? Like the the I'm pieces? definitely gonna have to re-listen to this and probably read your thing and that's read the blog post. read my blog post that's 
That's my baby. I put my heart and soul into that. Yeah, I'll and put like, it. I'll put it in the show notes. Link mm-hmm. it to me. Yeah, it it's in my bio and my pin tweet and everything. <laughs> and uh, that's that's a much better connotation of thoughts than me just like drinking freaking truly and rambling on my couch. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. So basically, right. the Fed just needs to keep doing what it's doing for GME to move. Doesn't matter. But I mean, like anything that makes like institutional players harder, their lives harder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that certainly helps. Like, like the, raising rates and that redistribution of capital. Yeah. I mean, the thing about the math of it is it literally doesn't matter what the fuck anybody does. The Redditors are still holding multiples of the float and they'll just stay there forever if they have to. They're not, they're, they've been in there for a year and a half. They're not going anywhere. They're so locked into this. They love it. Um, so, but it would certainly speed things up if the market crashes because that collateral goes poof. Yeah. Even though, like, like there's just some news today about, you know, just like reviewing the old, uh, what happened in January 2021 about how, like, even that collateral is not a sure, you know, cause or a margin call because the DTCC just like waves it or whatever. Because what is the DT? The Depository Trust Clearing Corporation, I believe. So like FGIC for stocks? Um, I don't really know. Like if there's a, they're just like the clearinghouse that like holds all the stocks. Look up the definition. Okay. I'm stupid. Okay. I don't remember okay. what the actual de- like the clear definition. It's the institution of it is. that clears stocks. They're way they, up there. When like, they, it's the institution that clears stocks when they get sold. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're the clear, they're the big boy clearinghouse. And they are another one of those entities like way up above the hedge funds that, you know, they, they're pulling strings just to stay alive and make sure that, you know, pass the rules to, so they don't get crunched by this. So, so a lot of people were freaking out, like, oh, like they just waived this margin or they waived this collateral. So it makes it less likely there's going to be margin calls, but like all that shit is just noise. The Redditors hold the freaking stock. They're direct registering it. They're locking it up. And eventually, things are going to pop off. And all of these giant entities way up high, they're going to be like sharks just like eating each other up. Because, you know, we've already seen uh, who was it? There, there's already some some real big dogs out there. They're sort of positioning themselves to take over if Citadel just like incinerates itself like in a day. When, when things pop off. So, I mean, the, the big boys are gonna eat each other up, just like we were talking about on a lot of different stages, like the big dogs are gonna be just feasting on each other. It's gonna be chaos. Yeah. So if you're positioned in a, you know, a strong play for when that goes down and things get nuts, you wanna hold a piece of that. Cause like the old algorithms they've all used for years and decades, they're they were built forever ago they're not they did not expect they're not built for redditors <laughs> which is why they lost control of it in january they didn't, they didn't build anything to counter like a grassroots long hold revolution exactly yeah and and the like these are just algorithms and the algorithms are built to like scare people and like naked short stocks that are you know, they basically just like deploy this thing onto like a stock that is in trouble. Like GameStop was a classic case. It wasn't like it's, it was a brick and mortar store at one point in like the middle of, you know, the, the COVID lockdowns. 
and everything looked terrible for it. So it was a perfect target. So, I mean, they'd actually been shorting it for years and years, but they just really poured it on back in like 2020 to 2021. So it looked like GameStop was doomed until Reddit jumped in and just bought up all the shares and just blew their whole game up. Because now, because the way that shorting works, like I was telling you, they sell the stock first, they have to buy it back later. Yeah. Every short is a guaranteed future buyer. So they sold way more than even the float exists. That's where that short interest number comes in. The uh, 226 so number I mentioned. the more they shorted, the more they sell, and that means the more GameStop longers come The more in. they have to buy up eventually because they, they, they have to buy those back to close out the position. So that 226% is like they sold 226% of the total shares, more than 100%, like, like at least double. And like many people think the numbers are much bigger than that. But the fact that Redders came in, they would only have to buy up 100% of the shares and say like, cool, I got everything. I can just sell my ass and I don't care what else happens because they have to buy these back from me. Mm-hmm. Come at me, bro. So that, that's where, where we're at. And a year and a half of kicking the can on this thing, you can look at the data on this. Uh, there's some great, you know, much smarter people than me, more technical on Twitter that like monitor this exclusively of just the amount of short volume of like sh- continuous shorting, like every single day, they're just shorting more and more and more. And there was a great post recently that brought the, the I tweeted this out. You can look at the amount of shorting going on at GameStop right now compared to all these other tech stocks like Apple and Tesla and, you know, Microsoft or whatever, and all of the other tech stocks and, you know, retail stocks, any type of stocks, they're just naturally coming down on these really red days. But GameStop, they're coming down less. They're actually holding up better and they're just getting destroyed by shorts. They're just like throwing shorts on it like crazy. So like, why would they have to do that if the market's coming down? Like they, they need to try hard to keep it down. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Like they're putting in a lot of effort, a lot of money into keeping it held down, which just supports the thesis. They're just holding down like the most yeah, coiled it, spring of all time. It's right a now. war of attrition. Yeah. And they're facing gamers that literally, and this is the most beautiful thing ever. It's freaking GameStop people. These people grew up playing video games, like playing against final bosses and yeah. was like, Never giving up, just continuously going back. Like Never they're gonna not, give you up. Yeah. yeah, they're not going to give up. All they have to do is buy the stock and just shit post about it on Reddit, and they love it. Like they welcome. And the the there's another theory out there that I love. I think it's spot on. Is the Flappy stock? You play Flappy Bird, right? Yeah. Where like you can get hit by the pipes above, or you can get hit by the pipes below. The so Ken Griffin and the short hedge funds are the little bird trying to navigate this pipe maze. If they let the price run too high, they get margin called by the prime brokers above them who say, game's up, buckwheat. Like, you don't have enough collateral for this anymore. We don't want to put this bill, so we're pulling the rug on you. And if they let the price go down too much, then the, the Redditors will just buy more. And they get more power. They get yeah. more power for their money. Yeah. And you when, know, when, when the hedge funds are forced to sell, that just gives more buying opportunity for more revenue. Yes. Yeah. And they just buy it. They're like, oh, good. It's a discount. Like, that's a total meme. Is it like, oh, it's down 10% today? Amazing. I mean, it's a stalemate more. For, for the long term. It's a stalemate. I mean, we'll see what happens. But I mean, one side has all as the, of now. It's yeah. Like, the, the, the apes have all the actual power 
in a situation of knowing exactly what the, they, they figured the game out. They know exactly what's happening. And they have come to that conclusion together and they're just buying the stock like crazy. And no matter what the opposing side does, they're just posturing this power. They're pretending that they're in good shape. They've sent, you know, trotted Ken Griffin out on like 10 interviews a week to talk about how great everything is and how everything's fine. But literally, if you look at his face <laughs> now and, and compared to a year and a half ago, he's aged like 20 years. And who's Ken Griffin? He's the CEO of Citadel. He's, you know, there's so many other, you know, big characters in this thing besides him, but he's kind of the one that people just chosen as their, their meme target. <laughs> he's, he's the one that gets memes. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, there's like Steve Yass, I think his name of Susquehanna, um, Steve Cohen, um, tons. Steve Cohen became famous for saying um, back in January 20, does it, do you know that name? Steve Cohen. Just, Steve just, Cohen. just keep talking. He's uh, in get back in when the sneeze happened in January 2021. Sneeze. We call it the sneeze. It wasn't the squeeze. <laughs> Everyone thinks it's a squeeze, but it was a sneeze. <laughs> Steve Cohen comes out after the Robin Hood turned off the buy button and all these brokers turned the buy button off, which and, and they just like dump more shorts on it to push it down and make it look like the squeeze was all done. Go home now. Uh, Stevie Cohen comes out and says, like, Darn, trading is a tough game, isn't it, kids? Basically on Twitter, and it's just like totally, you know, condescending. And yeah. like, no, everything that these people say just pours more fuel on the fire. And yeah. like, it took Reddit about two weeks to figure out that that was totally faked. It was not the squeeze. It was just them losing control for a minute and then just dumping more shorts on it and then going on CNBC and telling them, uh, I mean, you can like look at these old headlines. CNBC literally said, oh, Melvin covered her positions. It's all over, guys. But you look at the data, completely false. They may have covered, they may have used swaps and options and all this fuckery just to move it around, pass the puck to somebody else. Um, and as far as that goes, I linked a bunch of posts in my blog post that go over that much more in depth. So that is... That's that. Feeling good about the play. Bitbox O2 by Ship Crypto. You can't take self-custody <laughs> of your GME, but you can take self-custody of your Bitcoin, so don't be a dumbass. And go get a Bitbox and take self-custody of your Bitcoin because not your keys, not your cheese. And uh, speaking of not your cheese, don't you like how I'm just like smooth rolling this transition to talk perfect. about ETH? Talk about ETH now? Yeah, Yeah, dude. Ethereum. I mean... Urethrium. Yeah, it's just I'm just not feeling it, bro. Was that a good answer? <laughs> it's just like it Bitcoin. And this is where my two worlds colliding is so interesting because the GameStop like C suite is making all these moves toward Ethereum. We're sitting our glass and we went crushing. Yeah, I, um, I got these for free. <laughs> but uh these are actually are those the, the ones ne in the profile pic? They're next. Yeah, they are. I think you should wear those. I was, I was wearing this. I didn't change my clothes yesterday. <laughs> I did shower though. That's good. <laughs> um, I got these for free from my cousin's crazy ex girlfriend. These are actually, I think, like fifty dollars sunglasses. But the lenses are kind of scratching now. But whatever. Is it Pepper? What brand are they? Nectar. Nectar, because I got some that look kind of like that, but they're blue and they're by Pepper and they're actually sick. They're really cheap. They're really good. I like yep. cheap sunglasses. Um, 
But so yeah. it's easy top. <laughs> so yeah, Ethereum, dude. I mean, I just got questions about it, man. Let's talk about your uh, your your thread you made on it. Yeah, I mean, I I just feel like the the GameStop folks, and here's the thing to know about them is they all came from the TradFi world. The whole thing started with Wall Street bets back in you know January before January, but um, Wall Street bets was what started the whole GameStop move, and you weren't even allowed to mention Bitcoin or crypto on there. Like it was a rule on the sub, like there's no crypto in here. This That's is only funny. this is only stocks, purely stocks. And so all these people in GameStop are coming from that is like their root. And uh, and so these are people that like have never touched crypto before. And so they have a, now that GameStop is making moves into that realm and they it, it appears they've chosen Ethereum as like a part of their like you know, blockchain gaming thing, which just makes me cringe. Cause I, <laughs> I, the, the, the people put, or the investors put a lot of trust in the CCP. Yeah. But to me, I just got questions about it. I just like from, from my time learning about crypto, it just seems like hey, all the, the lamp. Hey, hey, that'll be, yeah, it's getting dark. That'll actually work. I might be able to pull that. Uh, surge protector out. What? You had to plug that in. Let's see. Or we can try putting it over here. Oh, my leg. <laughs> yeah, maybe try that one over here. Yeah, I'll have to get an extension cord for next time. Oh, my leg is stiff. Phone battery's doing. Ooh. There we go. Is that better? Here, point it like up a little bit. It's kind of it's such a like focused light. <laughs> we need to get like one of those Here, ring yeah, lights. I'd get one of those ring lights. It doesn't hurt. Oh, yeah, that's much. It's better. Yeah. I would, yeah, go back on that. But yeah, I mean, so we we had our space, you know, month or so ago, where we just kind of like talked about the whole Bitcoin crypto thing. And this is going to be an extremely interesting story if the mother of all short squeezes plays out when it plays Mo out. Mo ass. Mo ass. Because if GameStop really does choose Ethereum as its horse, I feel like. Moas is going to be giving like an invincibility star to everything it touches. It really like takes off like I believe it will. And so watching how it's going to affect everything within it, within that, you know, ecosystem that they have part of it. Who knows? Like I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's like a, you know, the mother of all altcoin seasons just like ripped from this thing on the back of it. And if that happens, I'm just gonna go into a coma for a while because <laughs> I would just that'd be brutal for me because we know how that ends. Um, but it's possible, like it's definitely a possibility. But that's what I think. But I really want them to buy some Bitcoin. I think that would be a smart move to at least hedge with some of that because 
Bitcoin is the winner. As far as I see it, I feel like Bitcoin's already won. But wasn't your thread about like Ethereum 2.0 and like pivoting and shit? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of people are looking at Ethereum 2.0 as like this huge, awesome, amazing upgrade. And people are not taking into account how huge of an undertaking that is to switch something from proof of work to proof of stake. Like, I'm not even sure. There's so many questions. Like, I feel like it could just, you know, completely blow up when they try to do that. And just things go, like, there's the possibility of like what you were saying earlier, where Ethereum just gets taken out. If, say it works. Say if they successfully move to proof of stake and there, there will be bad actors out there who can take over that staking side and they'll be able to basically control the protocol because the way that proof of stake works is that the people, it's just the fiat recycling. Like the people at the top have all the power to make the rules and validate the nodes and everything and, or be the validators. So none of the, none of the paths sound good. It's either it, the proof of stake move is successful and it gets overtaken by bad actors or it doesn't work and it's bad news. So those are like literally the only two outcomes I see. It's bad news bears. Long, long term at least. I mean, clearly this could take a while to unfold, which is why, you know, a lot of Bitcoiners know this. It's going to take time for the game theory to unfold and all the, you know, the shit to get wiped out from these like, you know, crypto funds and DeFi leverage casinos. Um, but so on the, the GameStop side, I'm looking, everything that's in front of me right now, it's definitely a shorter term. I would say short term, but short to medium term, something's got again. But on the crypto side, I'm only looking long-term for that. Yeah. Like for me, that's like, you know, you have to have a long-term mindset because like Bitcoin teaches you that little time preference. So yeah, I think that since Bitcoin is going to be the winner long-term, like you got to hold on to that one. Yeah. Like why would you not pick the winner? The same reason why, like in the GameStop world, we've got all these other stocks that are, you know, you know, copycatting the ape name, using all the memes, copying all the memes and just like trying to make it sound like it's the same thing as GameStop. Yeah. Like, you, it isn't. We're talking off camera that you view GameStop as to Bitcoin as an AMC is to shit coins. Exactly. <laughs> now with all these shit coins going to zero, cause of like the this liquidity crisis, some people in the Bitcoin Twitter space, Bitcoin realm has said, you know, I think this is it for shit coins. They're not going to come back after this. And I think that's just bullshit. Yeah. What do you think? Um, Cause like, I mean, this isn't that monumental of a thing to happen to where it, Puts a stain in history that no one else is ever going to shitcoin again. Here, do you want my truly? Oh, I'm good. I just want to. I mean, I don't know. I but I do think that the. I think GameStop will be like a pivotal piece, in deciding that, which is why I'm constantly tagging Ryan Cohen and Bitcoin together. I'm trying to get that guy orange pill through Twitter. My little pleb ass trying to talk to the Ryan Cohen is the chairman of the board at GameStop or chairman of the board of directors so he's he's basically like the head honcho that makes the calls so i i think that i've, I've made the claim over a year ago i think he's going to be the richest man in the world at some point because he's a stud he's super smart young billionaire entrepreneur sharp as hell um have you heard of chewy the company that the you know the pet food company yeah he's the founder of chewy oh uh, 
So he basically created Chewie out of nowhere and just completely, you know, stole a giant bite of Amazon's lunch in that whole sector. And now he's moved to the tech side of GameStop. He's got a much bigger market to play in. He's got more money. He recently moved into GameStop? Um, uh, this was, I think, early, I think this was 2020, late, mid to late 2020. It was actually before I kind of got into the story, but it was somewhere in 2020 when Ryan Cohen joined the board. Uh, How is your phone doing? Like, do you need to charge? Oh, uh, let me see. I think it should be fine. Oh, yeah, we're good. 69%, okay. dude. Nice. 69. Let's go, baby. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, you know, I've actually been making more like prominent Bitcoiner friends on Twitter, and I'm building an army, dude, because if this shit goes off, and like Ethereum just starts getting all this, you know, pumping from GameStop. I'm gonna bring in the big guns, dude. I got Brad Mills. I've, I've chatted with him a little bit. Brad you know, Mills, Larry Lapard, like all these, like you know, the big gun Bitcoiners that understand how to talk to the corporate level folks in case we need to have an intervention with Mr. Ryan Cohen. <laughs> Get I some mean, Bitcoin, bro. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he's going to be a Michael Saylor. And even there's going to be more Michael Saylors, but you can't force people to like this shit. Mm-hmm. You're just going to. It's a long. You're just going to repel them and they won't have to be forced. They're just going to make the most. Again, going back to what we talked about earlier, the most economic rational decision. And he probably has a Bitcoin position. I so, am dying like, to hear what Ryan Cohen thinks about GameStop or what, uh, Bitcoin. It doesn't matter though. How so? Okay, I'm sure if he, yeah, I mean, if he was on Squawk Box or whatever fucking uh, legacy finance news show and he said good things about it, yeah, that'd be great. But at the end of the day, like, he's just one dude. Yeah. It's not like he issued, like, a bunch of bonds and, like, what he didn't, like, sailor his way into big. I'm I'm like, looking through the lens of GameStop getting an enormous amount of power from a potential short squeeze that happens and blows everything up. They're going to have a lot of money and a lot of power and like all the and so you think the, they're going to the put... investor base of GameStop is huge and powerful and they're going to all have tons of money. So I want them to like understand they're what Bitcoin is. They're not all anti Bitcoin though. I'm sure some of them have Bitcoin. A lot of them are anti Bitcoin. They they are pretty in the Ethereum hole right now. They, they think that Bitcoin, they have the exact same mindset I did when I started. And I don't know if you went through this too, but you know, I thought like, oh, smart contracts and utility and you know, all this cool things that they can do. Bitcoin sucks. Like Bitcoin is kind of the enemy right now. Yeah, but, like, they, the old, but they old understand school. that Bitcoin's a reserve asset of crypto and everything else is a derivative of the Bitcoin price. No, most of them think Ethereum is just going to flip Bitcoin. They're going to be Bitcoin and Ethereum is going to be... Okay, well, they'll the have fun staying poor. Actually, they won't because they're more rich than I probably ever will be. But <laughs> That's the question. Is like, I mean, they're, they are very ETH maxis right now. And a couple of other like layer two on ETH coins that are, you know, also part of the ETH ecosystem. So they, they're total maxis in that front. I... I've gotten in lots of stuff with people on Twitter and they really think Ethereum is, I mean, they're all in on the Ethereum marketing pitch of like world computer, you know, everything's DeFi and, you know, Bitcoin's for boomers pretty much. So 
I disagree with that. There, there, I have like, I, I have like a little, I don't know if it's even secret, but like a group channel on Twitter of like the people that I have seen that like GameStop and Bitcoin at the same time. It's like 15 people. <laughs> Barely anybody is with me on this of like having those two as the top two. So it's a, it's a rare position, but we all have different strategies. So it's interesting that it's yeah. fun to, you know, have that discussion. And uh, when GameStop starts getting real, I want to have some more Twitter spaces where we get everyone in there to all voice our views on it. It'll be an interesting time. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I think the rest of this year is going to be really interesting. I can't wait. It really is, man. I don't know where things go. No one does. Mm-hmm. Like the world is evolving drastically. It's not going to be the same world that we, I, I don't even know, dude. Dude, what's that cold storage wall again that you love so much? Oh, the Bitbox O2. I yes. have crypto. Yeah, that's a good one. I want to do. Yeah. Do you, do, you, do you want one? Do you have one? I, I would love one. You, you should get one for 5% off with the Bitcoin Made Simple uh, promo code. I should. Yeah. I should do that, dude. You should. I'll do that. You, yeah. should, you should get one for every GME friend you have, too. There, dude, if, if we can get some kind of deal going, like, if I could... <laughs> Hit me up, like Bitcoin, like wallet folks, because like if I can, like I have a huge, basically my entire Twitter audience is GameStop people, and if I'm successful in orange pilling these people, that's like a massive, you know, net of awesome, like really awesome people, the best people ever. They're fantastic. I would love to orange pill them, bring them into Bitcoin. It's going to be a challenge though, because you know they're they're on the crypto journey right now. We'll see where they end up, but. I love these people, dude. They're super cool. They're the best. Yeah. We want them. We want them on Team Orange. Team, Team Orange, Orange Coin. Orange Coin, good. Yeah, dude. I, I've really, especially the past almost year, I've really tamed my Bitcoin maximalism to where, like, again, zoom out and look at the world and where, what people are thinking and just, like, understand from their point where they're coming from. I know that Bitcoin's going to win, but, you know, I don't have to... I am religious, but I don't have to be as religious about it. And I just kind of got bored with the things that I was learning about Bitcoin and to understand more of a macro perspective. And, you know, you understand a lot about markets when you get into like how trading works and the incentives of like why people are going to go on this, this short GME or whatever. And you learn about the mechanics of the hedge funds and it's just like nonstop. So like Bitcoin was a rabbit hole that had many, it was just, um, just different factions. It was, uh, God damn it. What's the word I'm looking for? Not by study, uh, multi, multifaceted, uh, good word. Yeah. <laughs> but still, I, I felt like I was hitting like a wall and I was just kind of jaded. And, um, I still think that everything can tie back into Bitcoin because of what Bitcoin is, it's sound money. Mm-hmm. And on a sound money standard, you probably wouldn't have this uh, monetary, you know, investing chaos. And a lot of these institutions only exist because of fiat money. And people are only speculating on things like this because fiat money, because money's broken. Mm-hmm. But still, this is the world that we live in. And there is so much that you can learn from people in these communities. And for you to just like shun all of them is not productive at mm. all. And I think it's important, important <laughs> that people just have an open mind. Open-mindedness is huge. And I might, to a Bitcoin maxi listening to this, I might sound like a shit pointer, but fuck you. 
like <laughs> you don't you don't make progress like making enemies i mean maybe it might help with clout but like again just you don't know everything you know i i'm a fan of selective open-mindedness i think that like 95 percent of the time you should be completely open to what everyone says but there's going to be those things that you just flat out disagree with people on and you got to have conviction on things like that's why you know i'm i'm not super open-minded about ethereum right now partly because um well you know one of the reasons why i've taken such a hard stance against it is because zero people essentially in the GameStop side are taking that side. They're all just hundred percent, you know, trusting in Ryan Cohen and the team to, you know, be doing the correct thing. When I think it's more complicated than that. Like I bet none of these people know about Libra. You remember that? The Facebook Libra project? Libra, yeah. They, they you know, tried their own crypto thing and they had like unlimited money and resources and it just blew up in her face, it didn't work. And I think they tried it again with like DM or something. DM. And did that ever work? Like, I feel like we don't heard about it, so I don't feel like it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure, but I mean, all these companies with enormous, you know, amount of money and teams and everything, they still aren't able to beat Bitcoin's <clears throat> perfect, like as close to perfect as you can make, basically, instead of structure and simplicity. And so that's why, like, I'm taking a stand against these, like, you know, people that just think that these altcoins are going to win. I don't think it's possible. Yeah. No matter how much, you know, firepower they have, money, teams, investor base, I just think that there's certain fundamental factors that you just can't beat that Bitcoin has. So exactly. I sure hope that they they make a turn, they buy some Bitcoin, or you know, do something with Bitcoin, because like, it'll be awkward for me. If MoS is ripping and you know Ethereum kind of just gets like a fake pump from being part of it, being within that hood, it's just going to make it even harder for people to you know go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole because they're just going to think that it's just going to progress the notion that Bitcoin is for boomers. <laughs> we'll see how it goes though. Whatever happens, happens. You know. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a fun show. I'm 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 just a at the end of the day, I'm just an, a very entertained observer of it all. I love watching this. It's crazy. I'm like, since really starting to follow the markets in like 2017, it's, I feel like it's just all come to this moment. It's all yeah. been culminating up to this year and like the next, oh, like even just this whole decade really of like, who knows what the fuck's going to happen. But I mean, we're at like a major tipping point right now. It's just so fun to be a part of. When the hens come home to roost, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to see some shit. Yeah. That's for sure. We're also going to see some shit when all these exchanges shit the bed and they take all your Bitcoin, but you can prevent that with the big box though too, by shift crypto. Bitcoin made simple. Use that promo code and get 5% off. So that's, that's something I want to hear about you about. I made a tweet recently because all the GameStop folks are completely fixated on the mother of all short squeezes, which I agree. Mo ass. Mo ass. But these people are not aware that there's also a squeeze situation in Bitcoin. And I haven't studied this one super hard, so you can pick up what I'm putting down here. But if I'm not mistaken, a general uh, synopsis of the situation is just exchanges rehypothecating their their coins and just distributing out. You mean fractional? Have. You mean fractional reserve banking? 
Sure. You, you just take it. I see it like I don't know exactly how it's working super well, but basically just, I mean, they're taking the belligerent, you know, fuckery strategies from TradFi and applying it to their exchange business. Yeah. Is that so? And they're going to have to that's like. That's why Ethereum is going to fail. All the bad things that the game stoppers hate about finance and all the shit that they're fighting is happening in shit coins mm-hmm. and on these custodians. And so that's why if you're going to go long GameStop, that's great. But once you also like to be long the most sound money that's ever been created that you can take self-custody of? Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> I think I rest my case. <laughs> but how does the, how is that squeeze situation? Like, what do you mean, the, what do you mean, dynamic what do you mean by squeeze? Of the exchanges, you know. I mean, squeeze. people, it's a bank run. People try to get their Bitcoin off. They can't because they don't have the Bitcoin. They had to liquidate the Bitcoin to probably cover payroll or something or whatever. So they need to go on the market and buy like any price. And it's just good. That kind of it. Yeah, that's one theory. Yeah. But that'll be interesting, dude. Like how, how, how far over their actual Bitcoin holdings do you think they are? Is it a total question mark? Probably. We can and assume and it's a lot. And I haven't, <laughs> like, I, we contemplated making this like, one episode for news for the week and then one episode what this episode turned into mm-hmm. but i wanted to discuss like the voyager bailouts for three ace capital and and three block arrows. Five, yeah. whatever <laughs> three a capital go that <laughs> whatever um but it's just a bunch of like fuckery like all it is is like who's going to be the lender of last resort of these crypto companies you have the lender of last resort for normal stuff, which is the Fed. Which, Could you explain which, what which, lender of last resort means? A bailout. The, like the, the king of all bailouts. The king of all bailouts. FTX, yeah. basically like Sam Pickman for you right now. Yeah. 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 But I mean, who's backing Sam Bacon Free? Hmm. And I think there was another thing that came out where Goldman Sachs was going to. Yeah, Sweet I saw man. that. They had they didn't they buy up some Celsius. I I maybe see I don't know, but again, like at the end of the day, this is just a consequence of fiat money. And even on like a sound money standard, we're we're on a Bitcoin standard, there's still gonna be banks and there's still gonna be bank failures. But I don't think to the extent that we have it now. Because everybody's so overleveraged. Okay, the uh the first headline about the Goldman reportedly helping find investors for oh, Celsius. Shit, almost two hours, son. Let's go. Yeah, just a bunch of people just reading about everything. It's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to find. But I know that JP Morgan is basically trying to find their way into this crazy story with Celsius. I feel like any time you're in the same Paragraph is Celsius, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Bad news. I mean, these big banks, like, they're in well, look, look, derivative here. hell right hold now. Hold on, hold on. So, um, who tweeted out? Alex Thorne of, uh, he's not at Fidelity, he's at somewhere else. D- digital Assets, I don't know. Alex Thorne, I don't know the name. Um, great dude uh, in finance, whatever. I'm not really giving him a good summary, but uh, people know him in Bitcoin. He's in the 
financial industry and he retweeted a relative story about this and uh, what what was the fucking because of another drink drink no in fact i finished mine you know what <laughs> got you bro got anyway like this is this is a quote-unquote bailout here i'll find the tweet fill fill the the dead air while i'm doing this mm. oh boy that's a that's tall order <laughs> i haven't even looked at the space forever just kind of set it, forget it. We're running. Yeah, but I mean, the whole crypto contagion thing going on. And it's, it's interesting watching the crypto contagion going on while there's like just a hidden beast of the TradFi contagion that just seems like it's constantly just getting pushed further and further into the future. Like, I just, I can't wait for the banks to start blowing up straight out. Like, because they're, they're so over leveraged and they're, derivative hell right now they're gonna have to just start going poop at some point and that's when the real show starts it's just like place your bets who's going down first because it's gonna happen like i mean we're in an end game my friends yeah i found it all right so uh if anyone doesn't know who alex thorne is he's the head of firm-wide research at galaxy digital yeah and he did a tweet saying FTX on brink of second bailout of banks. Banks is in quotation marks. That's a play on the Bitcoin. Yeah, but I, I retweeted FTX on the brink of second bailout for banks. And to me, this isn't really a bailout. It's a nationalization. You think they're just trying to, abs- Wait, are they trying not, to like absorb selfies? Yeah, why not? If not a nationalization, I mean, something close to it. Because JP Morgan likes crypto and probably bitcoin more so because mm. that's what how i think they're going to rebuild the financial system in this true build back better that Jerome Powell is trying to force and they probably like government institutions i mean they probably have bitcoin but they want more of it and they want to be involved because they need to banks like jp morgan and others are being forced by their customers the market to provide bitcoin crypto products mm-hmm. and what better way to be a part of that than to swoop in and bail out Celsius or be a part of it? Uh, it's like an acquisition, hire, whatever. And in the history of bailouts, the name of the game is bailout, where banks are lending to a customer, and the customer might be another bank, or it might be a like Penn Central Station, like a railroad that had. Uh, like 96,000 people on their payroll and that consisted of like $20 million towards that payroll every week and just an industry where the entire country relied upon it and you know banks that may have been the shareholders of that company would lend to it and run it into the ground and force a bailout and they would basically profit beautifully from it by um, propping the price up, issuing more shares and running it into the ground. And before they declare bankruptcy, they have the Fed or FDIC come in and bail them out. And so I think the same thing's applying at the crypto level mm-hmm. because crypto's not going anywhere and people in large institutions realize that. And you think the crypto space as a whole is not going anywhere? 
No, it's not. And, and banks understand that the fed understands that. And so they're going to do everything to be at the top, top of their shit and be involved and, and regulate it. Terra Luna was probably, hold on, hold on. uh, Terra Luna was probably a psyop. It was like a Joro, George Soros, like funded like psyop to crash it and give it, create an excuse to create more regulation around it. And also a way to probably get more Bitcoin somehow. <laughs> and so all these failures, like we had, you had Terra Luna fail and you were having Celsius fail and all this. It's just a way to one, lower the price of Bitcoin and buy more cheap Bitcoin. And also to get their hands in the right regulatory process. That's all it is. And they're trying to scare dumb, retarded retail out and steal all the sound assets. And they're doing that with the same with like commodity prices and gold and all this. They're trying to make you stay poor. They're trying to keep you have fun staying poor. They want you to own nothing and be happy. Hmm. So on the I mean, on both both Davos people and probably Team Fed as well. But these are the people that see that their power is at risk and they want to maintain as much of it as they can. So they're going to dampen the price of sound assets and buy as much as possible. Okay, but where does crypto come in? You think they're using crypto to keep Bitcoin dampened? Or they want to take Yeah, or any crypto institution. Like, all this is paper money. They're manipulating it. Okay. As much as they can. Yeah, that makes sense. I believe you. I mean, you have the nationalization of AIG and, like, Lehman Brothers going down and just... You know, it is monetary control and fuckery at the end of the day. So they can just like consume and, you know, perpetuate the wealth gap. But how's that connect with crypto though? Like the crypto space? Crypto is just another tool that they're doing it with. So that's, you think that's just their tool to- They're using paper money to dampen the price of crypto assets so they can buy more of it and scare retail out. So you disagree with Luke. Luke thinks that crypto is going to go to zero. By crypto, I mean Bitcoin. And all the crypto institutions on top of it, the on-ramps, when they're going bust, that's causing like a, like a scare and people are having to be margin call and liquidate. And all those liquidations, a majority of them, I would assume, are also retail. And people are just scared they don't know what it is that they bought. So they're going to wash out all the dumb retail investors, lower the price of Bitcoin, buy as much as possible, and do that with Terra Luna, Celsius, uh, all these other... It's just like they, they, they have it set up. Yeah, like I that's mean, that's a psyop. Like scare people in this new industry, take advantage of it, use all your paper money to crash the price, and so you can scoop up all the good assets that the plebs can't. And that's another one of the big questions for me is that I I am of the belief that Bitcoin has not bottomed. I feel like all these macro shit shows and crypto contagions are just getting started. I think they're going to dump the price way more. And there's a ton of big money watching that and wanting to scoop up those deals at the bottom. 
And so, in the similarly to what we were talking about earlier, where in the real estate world, I feel like BlackRock is just waiting to swoop up these cheap houses to crash. I think that there's also big money looking to cheap scoop up scoop up the cheap Bitcoin, but I don't believe they're going to be going after like Cardano and XRP and Ethereum. I think that they're looking at Bitcoin. So that's going to be like the ultimate play is that when everything crashes, every, everyone's liquidating everything. People are just, bodies are dropping left and right. Bitcoin tanks. I think that's going to be like the ultimate opportunity like for retail to really jump on an opportunity and be awake and ready for that and not shit coining or, you know, misunderstood. This is why we got educate everyone. This is a really tall order and putting giving dumb retail too much credit. So mm-hmm. we can only hope. I but. do hope. And that's why I care about like posting so many, like as many of these podcasts and educational resources as I can. I think the education is the most important thing. Absolutely. Of having people prepared for that scenario if it happens, which I think it will. That's mm-hmm. my personal guess. Like if I had to like lay out my total speculation of what's going to happen in the next, you know, like year or so. Number one, I think GameStop's going to go straight up and blow shit up on a TradFi side. And it's going to cause everything else to go down, including Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is going to tank harder. It's what, like holding up at 20 grand right now. And every freaking Bitcoin space I go to is calling bottom. <laughs> I don't think it's bottom. I think that it's got a lot more pain to come with the crypto contagion and the macro shit show. And I think that the millionaire making play is properly weighing the GameStop squeeze with the Bitcoin drop that results from the MOAS. So that's what I'm playing. That's my bet. I'm, I'm taking a risk on that. It's, it's going to be sketchy. Like no one's going to perfect, perfect that, you know, top to bottom move. It's definitely a you know, it's a, it's a risk, but I think that that is the king play that I've just had visualized for like over a year now. Yep. Like since the beginning, I just feel like, okay, I know Bitcoin is going to be the king in the long term, but it has not proven as decoupled from the rest of the market yet to me. I think it's going to follow everything down. Uh, and, and I think this could be the time where it finally decouples after everything just gets incinerated. Bitcoin is set up to me to be the phoenix that rises from the ashes. If you can ride that up, you're golden, baby. <laughs> but I'm picking the I'm taking a fireworks play in the meantime, though. The, the TradFi winner to me is GameStop. I think that on the way out of TradFi, like GameStop's gonna fly and then jumping into Bitcoin after that is, is the move. That's my play. It's on it's on a record. That's my that's my thesis right there. It's <laughs> on record. Awesome. Well, uh, hope the listeners don't hate this podcast network after getting shield GameStop for two the hours. The GameStop podcast. <laughs> Rest in peace. Nah. Bitcoin made simple. This is great. We dude. had I've literally had Bitcoiners tell me that GameStop is worse than a shitcoin. Like that's a lot of people think that. Um, so we'll see what happens, dude. <laughs> they just haven't done their homework. That's, that's what I'm saying. They haven't read my blog posts. Ben, where, where, what are you doing now? Because you, you do work in Bitcoin. You do do some, some good work. So where can people find you? And, um, and what, do you, what do you got in store? 
Twitter, baby. Twitter is a spot. Like, you know, I have Instagram. What's your like, at? At Ben Werman. B-E-N-W-E-H-R-M-A-N. That's pretty much the spot right now. Like, I feel like Twitter is going to be, like, ground zero for the shit show that's coming. It's going to be fun to be there to watch. I'm, I'm on Instagram, too, but I pretty much put all my photography and, you know, totally irrelevant memes on there. So I'm trying to pull my Instagram friends into Twitter because that's where all the action is going to be happening. <laughs> Not Reddit? Um, I mean, there's surely going to be action there, but I don't even tell people my, my Reddit username because, like, part of the fun of Reddit is that everyone's anonymous. It's just, like, completely anonymous, you know, thought pool. It's a, a whole different animal. Like, Twitter is a place where, you know, people have an identity and their reputation is connected to their views, which I think is also valuable. Uh, when people are putting their reputation on the line to make claims, that's a powerful thing. Uh, Reddit's on the other side of the spectrum where, you know, people aren't putting their reputation on the line because they're anonymous, but at the same time, people are in many ways much more transparent there. They're saying things they wouldn't be willing to say on a public platform. So you have to sort of like play the game of yep. weighing each of those, yep. you know, understanding, you know, what incentives are behind the users there and uh, make the most of them to, you know, rule the world of the internet. Everybody wants to rule the world. That's right. Yeah, dude. It's happened. Awesome. Well, uh, rule the world with your Bitcoin and take your Bitcoin off the exchange and get a Bitbox yes. into Harbor Wallet. Yes. I think that's five plugs for this episode. We did, dude. I think you made up for it in the second half. I did. I did. You have some first half, not going to lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I slacked first. What did you say? No, the first half was like a good warm up for the people. And then we just like pounded them with like the excellent products in yeah. the second half. You did. Yeah. I want one. I'm going to get one. You should. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty much it. Uh, guys, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for, if you join on the Twitter space and you'll be able to catch this on um, you know, sometime this weekend. And oh my God, is my computer about to die? How is that possible? I plugged it in. <laughs> oh shit. Oh Perfect. shit. All right. Well, uh, people, as always, <laughs> uh, own your failure. Just like I'm doing right now, owning the fact that I almost lost this episode. But people, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. I have been Phil Gibson, aka Mr. Sue, M-R-P-S-E-U. You can find both of us on the Twatterverse. Remember to own your failure because God knows our social leaders do not. So peace out. Sayonara. Adios. Peace. peace.